Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the... Check, check. Course in Miracles podcast. Day three with broken arm. And I can really, I'm getting a good itch. I'm getting a good cast itch going. I'm getting a, a good painful healing sensation. I'm getting the, uh, the fact that there are plates and screws in my arm is very apparent, but it's not as uncomfortable as it was yesterday. Let the healing begin. And I tell you what, I am determined to get this thing over with as quickly as possible with the help of JC and the Holy Spirit. I do not buy what the doctors have to say regarding the duration of healing. I will rise above, but I will not practice magic. So again, course, maybe I will a little bit. Course in Miracles talks about the difference or the distinction between miracles and magic. Miracles being, of course, the manipulation of reality to, to, you know, to get our perceived needs met, to get what we want, to use God as an errand boy, as Marianne Williamson says in one of our talks, that's magic is basically using God as an errand boy. And miracles are we align ourselves with God and that we and then we let we let align our thinking with God's thinking and then we allow the miraculousness of the Holy Spirit's thinking and what comes what becomes possible when we align ourselves with the spirit the thinking of the Holy Spirit we very often what happens is our minds get blown because the Holy Spirit can anticipate things that we could that we never could can present things to us that we never could anticipate him presenting to us, he, she, or it presenting to us. I was stuck in rehab and this was, I was a hundred days plus stuck in rehab and I was planning on going to this halfway house, uh, recovery home in the suburbs of Chicago, the Western suburbs of Chicago. It would have just been an, it wouldn't. It just wouldn't have been that cool. But I was so committed to my recovery that I was willing to go to any length. I was willing to do that. I was willing to do the complete opposite of what I wanted to do. And in other words, I was totally surrendered to God's will. And I was. They were getting all the paperwork settled away, and I. It had been a long summer. I had spent over three months here and I was playing basketball, and I was terrible at basketball. But I would get on the court every day, and I would just play my heart out. I was this reborn athlete. I would lift weights one day and I would play basketball the other day. So it was weights, basketball, weights, basketball. That was on the, the rotation we were on. And I went up for a rebound and I came down and something went snap. I broke my leg or I broke my foot, ended up in the hospital, didn't take any pain medication. And as a result of that interaction or that injury, the halfway house I was going to go to in the suburbs that I was fully surrendered to, you know, they, I was fully surrendered to a crappy suburban recovery life because that was what God's will was for me, or so I thought. But now all of a sudden they won't take me because I've got a broken leg. So my counselor makes a few phone calls. I end up on the north side of Chicago, living on the shores of Lake Michigan, which was where I started to surf and windsurf. I didn't know surfing was a possibility on Lake Michigan until I looked outside of my building the building where I ended up living as the result of my ankle being broken and saw surfers out there and 
that was how I started surfing. And now I live in Southern California and I'm like this like SoCal local guy, local ripper. Not anymore though, or not currently because my arm is broken. But that is an example of the miraculousness of the Holy Spirit. So God saw that I've been doing good work. God saw that I was surrendered. And then God said, Dave, I appreciate your willingness to go to any length. I've got a wonderful, miraculous little present for you. Here you go. Here's the gift of surfing. You can't make this stuff up, can you? Anyway, let's move into the lesson. It's another long lesson. As I mentioned before, there's a, there are a handful of long lessons ahead. Maybe like the next 30 lessons or so are very long. But these are also very powerful lessons. These are, this is like the meat of the program. We're well past the third, the third of the way mark. We're into this almost to the halfway point of the course. Imagine that. We're almost to June. June is the sixth month. We're getting close to halfway done with this course. This is powerful stuff. Thanks to each and every one of you. Love, appreciate, and value everyone who takes the time to listen. Even if you don't do the lesson, that's okay. You know, this is really a do, do this thing to the best of your ability. That being said, you're not off the hook for doing your best. You should, really should try to be doing your best. And that being said, as soon as I finish recording this episode, I am going to go over yesterday's episode again because I have been slacking a little bit. Just to normalize, this is the period where it's kind of easy to slack. You know, like it's, this is like you start out at, the, at lesson one, it takes like three minutes. You're like, sweet, I love the Course in Miracles. Nothing in this room means anything. It's just a really easy lesson. Then we get into like these lessons in the hundreds and they're a bit of a challenge, but this is really where a lot of the transformation happens. So I'm just going to read through this and uh, add whatever insights may present themselves along the way to my consciousness in service of enlightening you and myself. I will not value what is valueless. Sometimes in teaching there is benefit, particularly after you have gone through what seems theoretical and far from the student who has already learned to bring him back to practical concerns. This we will do today. We will not speak of lofty, world-encompassing ideas, but dwell instead on benefits to you. You do not ask too much of life, but far too little. When you let your mind be drawn to bodily concerns, to things you buy, to eminences valued by the world, you ask for sorrow, not for happiness. So when you're asking for the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and the hookers and the blow, you are in fact not asking for happiness. This course does not attempt to take from you the little that you have. It does not try to substitute utopian ideas for satisfactions which the world contains. There are no satisfactions in the world. So there are no satisfactions in the world. That world out there that you think means so much doesn't mean anything. The Tesla, the money, there's no satisfaction available in any of that, just like Mick Jagger said. Today we will list the real criteria by which to test all things you think you want. Unless they meet these sound requirements, they are not worth desiring at all, for they can but replace what offers more. The laws that govern choice you cannot make, no more than you can make alternatives from which to choose. The choosing you can do, indeed, you must, but it is wise to learn the laws you set in motion when you choose and what alternatives you choose between. We have already stressed there are but two, however many there, we have already stressed that there are two, however many there appear to be. The range is set and this we cannot change. 
it will be most ungenerous to you to let alternatives be limitless and thus delay your final choice until you had considered all of them in time and had not and had not and not been brought so clearly to the place where there is but one choice that must be made. Another kindly and related law is that there is no compromise in what your choice must bring. It cannot give you just a little, for there is no in-between. Each choice you make brings everything to you or nothing. Therefore, if you learn the tests by which you can distinguish everything from nothing, you will make the better choice. First, if you choose, choose a thing that will not last forever, what you chose is valueless. A temporary value is without all value. Time can never take away a value that is real. What fades and dies was never there and makes no offering to him who chooses it. He is deceived by nothing in a form he thinks he likes. So in other words, the Tesla that you think you want that will make you so happy, it's just going to rust away someday. It's just going to waste away. These things that we place so much value on are in fact nothing. Next, if you choose to take a thing away from someone else, you will have nothing left. This is because when you deny his right to everything, you have denied your own. You, therefore, will not recognize the things you really have, denying they are there. Who seeks to take away has been deceived by the illusion loss can offer gain, yet loss must offer loss and nothing more. So this would be like, if I steal this guy's $5, I will, I will have $5, but you're basically, that's just a lose-lose situation, ultimately. Your next consideration is the one on which the others rest. Why is the choice you make of value to you? What attracts your mind to it? What purpose does it serve? Here is the easiest of all to be deceived. For what the ego fails, for what the ego wants, it fails to recognize. It does not even tell the truth as it perceives it, for it needs to keep the halo which it uses to protect its goals from tarnish and from rust, that you may see how, quote, innocent it is. Yet it is its camouflage, a thin veneer, yet is its camouflage a thin veneer which could deceive but those who are content to be deceived. Its goals are obvious to anyone who cares to look for them. Here is deception doubled. For the one who is deceived will not perceive that he has merely failed to gain. He will believe that he has served the ego's hidden goals. Yet, th that yet though he tries to keep its halo clear within his vision, still must he perceive its tarnished edges and its rusted core. His ineffectual mistakes appear as sins to him because he looks upon the tarnish as his own, the rust a sign of deep unworthiness within himself. He who would still preserve the ego's goals and serve them as his own makes no mistakes, according to the dictates of his guide. This guidance teaches it is error to believe that sins are but mistakes, for who would suffer for his sins if this were so? This is a very, see, this is what I'm talking about. These lessons are long. They're very wordy. 
each one of these lessons could be ministered for an hour, an hour and a half, maybe even longer each for each one, these sort of very long mid 100s lessons. So I certainly encourage you to go over this stuff with as fine tooth of a comb as you have access to or however much time you can devote to really digging into this stuff. I encourage you to do so. And so we come to the criterion for choice that is the hardest to believe because its obviousness is overlaid overlaid with many levels of obscurity. If you feel any guilt about your choice, you have allowed the ego's goals to come between the real alternatives. And thus you do not realize there are but two, and the alternative you think you chose seems fearful and too dangerous to be the nothingness it actually is. All things are valuable or valueless, worthy or not of being sought at all, entirely desirable or not worth the slightest effort to obtain. Choosing is easy just because of this. Complexity is nothing but a screen of smoke which hides the very simple fact that no decision can be difficult. What is the gain to you in learning this? It is far more than merely letting you make choices easily and without pain. So this is just a really fancy, this is very long-winded way of saying you can choose with God, the Holy Spirit, or you can choose with the ego. You can choose to go to the bar or you can choose to go to church, right? (laughs) Sort of. You get what I'm saying. Heaven itself is reached with empty hands and open minds, which come with nothing to find everything and claim it as their own. We will attempt to reach this state today with self-deception laid aside and with an honest willingness to value, but the truly valuable and the real. Our two extended practice periods of 15 minutes each begin with this. I will not value what is valueless, and only what has value do I seek, for only that do I desire, for only that do I desire to find. And then receive what waits for everyone who reaches unencumbered to the gate of heaven, which swings open as he comes. Should you begin to let yourself collect some needless burdens or believe you see some difficult decisions facing you, be quick to answer with this simple thought, I will not value what is valueless, for what is valuable belongs to me. So again, very wordy lesson, a lot of wordy lessons around the corner, a lot of amazing lessons about around the corner. There is so much amazing, mind-blowing, eternal, spiritual wisdom and insight buried within the verses of this brilliant work of spiritual art. So I encourage you to take some time, really dig into this stuff. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go over yesterday's lesson because for me, yesterday is still today. (laughs) Does that make sense? I'm still on lesson 120, uh, 132, so I'm going to go and dig into the lesson about loosing myself from the world um, in service of discovering a little bit more and getting a little bit out, a little bit more out of this, and I encourage you to do the same with this one. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening. This is the Course in Miracles podcast. My name is Dave. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. Bye-bye.